Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Can I get a little boomer? Come on now. Woo! That, uh, that game, huh? Right? I think that game was an interesting game. Um... I think, I think I can compare it a lot to your college life. I got your attention? Doesn't matter how you start. Doesn't matter what happens in the middle. It only matters how you finish. Amen. Hallelujah. Right? Listen, once you get that degree, no one's going to care about what your GPA was, but you got that paper. All right? How many of us, that's, that's some good news for us, Right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah so, y'all just got really quiet. <laughs> like, oh, gosh, grades. Brent, please quit talking about school. Okay, I'm going to quit talking about school. Is that all right? Is that okay with y'all? I think we need to pray a little bit. Is that okay? Can we pray at crossover? Let's go and give us a little prayer right now. Jesus, we thank you for you. Uh, Lord, I've already felt your presence in this place, and I beg and I plead that you just continue to be here. Let us learn from your word. Let us just be able to hear your word. Let us let your word penetrate our hearts and let us be able to do your word. Lord, thank you for you. Let us have a great night in you. For it's your name. Amen. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago I was bored in my 30 minutes of me time every day, as y'all learned last, last week. I was bored a couple weeks ago. I was on the couch and uh, I was trying to watch TV, but the problem with TV now is because of COVID-19, it's just a bunch of reruns, right? And so I'm paying uh, pretty much a small car payment to watch reruns. And so I think I need to cancel my direct TV because it's worthless, all right? And I got bored and I couldn't find anything on TV, so I did what any good Christian thing, you know, would do is I pulled out um, my thumb workout machine, which is my cell phone, Right? And um, I'm telling you, I'm getting arthritis from my cell phone. Like, my thumb clicks from scrolling. Like, anybody's thumb ever get tired from scrolling so much? Be honest, all right. So I was looking, and I was like, you know what, let me check the gram out. Let me try to be relevant, try to be cool. And so I'm checking out the gram, and I'm scrolling. Now, listen, like, since I'm a minister, like, I, I always try to think sermonically. Like, I always try to make everything like a sermon, like, uh, what's a good example? Like, like I'm driving down the road and like I see a squirrel and it sees me and it runs and it jumps on a tree and I'm thinking, you know, when you see sin coming, you got to run to the tree, right? You got to run to the cross, right? Like, I don't know why I said that, but it just came to my mind. Like, that's just, you know, I think sermonically. And so I'm scrolling on Instagram and I start noticing something with the first 10 people uh, that that were on my feed is all ten people had a picture of themselves. And I was like, kind of you know sermonically here, and I'm thinking, all right. And no lie, I clicked on all ten of those people. You may or may not be in this room. All right, your pastor does watch. All right. And when I looked at that, I was like, my goodness, like almost ninety percent was a bunch of selfies, right? And I'm thinking, like, my day, I'm about to age myself, all right? In my day, we didn't have social media to this extreme, right? It was really the beginning roots, and 
um, I was like, you know, back in my day, we didn't have social media. We had printed, like printed pictures and duct tape, and we stuck them on our dorm room walls, all right? That's aging you, all right? So I was just thinking, like, man, if we were to go back and, like, and we were to do what I did back in the day and like everybody, and I was thinking, so if someone today took their Instagram and they took their top 50 pictures, right, their, their last 50 pictures, and they printed them off and they stuck them on their wall, how weird would that be? Think about it. Am I right? The last 50 pictures, and no lie, out of the 10 people that I looked, like, looked at, Probably 90% of those pictures were like, like dudes, like, check out my shorts, really, but it's really just wanted to look at their abs, right? Like, I've been working out, right? Like, sun's out, gun's out, like, flexing, right? Or like, one of them was a girl who's like, and this was what's funny, it was with this other girl's birthday, and she's like, look at my friend Lala, it's her birthday, right? It's half of Lala and all of them. I was like... What is going on here? I was like, how would this compare and contrast? Like back when I was in college, like, like if you put all 50 of those pictures up, it's like, like half swimmies and half like, like selfies. Like I'm like, my goodness, it's all about us. I mean, we even have cell phones now that doesn't only take a picture outwards, but it also takes a picture of yourself. And sadly, what is true, and, and, and I'm not coming at y'all here, I'm just saying that this is what the world sells. The world sells that we, sh- we are supposed to self-promote. It's all about us. But the other truth of this is, and I want you to kind of wake up at, at, at this scenario here, is that the world has never faced more depression, more suicides, more medication overdoses, more drug and alcohol abuse than it has in the last 14 years. Many critics, many counselors, many people blame that on the fact of social media. Now, students, if I can be honest with you, which I always am, amen, hallelujah, I think that we have been taught wrong and we are being brainwashed on how to feel worth in this life. We've been taught that we need to be great, we need to be excellent, we need to look this way, we need to dress this way, we need to act this way, we need to treat people this way, we need to stand up, we need to fight, we need to fight, we need to fight. We need to promote self-image to get self-worth, and we need to get self-worth by our self-image. And what if I were to tell you something, just a little bitty secret today, is what if the Bible teaches the very opposite of what the world is telling us to do? And instead of us vamping ourselves up and to look at us, we are supposed to actually take the focus off of us and we're supposed to put it towards the creator and the sustainer of the whole world. See, that's exactly what Jesus is saying here in Luke 9. Luke 9, he is, if you're going to turn there because you're holy and everybody brought their Bible, right? I did, it's in my pockets, my phone, right? I'm like, why would I bring a Bible? I got a huge one up here. Amen. Hallelujah. But see, he's talking to his disciples and the many people around him. And he's trying to finalize some final points because he's about to go and pay the ultimate price for our sins. Just a side note here. The only person or God in this world that is going to give me my worth is someone who's willing to give their life for it. 
And just a side note of my side note, is that, is that, is that popular, right? I want, to, I want to give you a little hint. Jesus did the very opposite thing that the world thought he was going to do. He was supposed to be coming and being a conquering king, destroying everybody that was opposing him. He was supposed to be this warrior king. Like, side note to my side note to my side note. Like, that's going to happen in Revelation, and it's going to be awesome. And we're going to be standing behind Jesus, the warrior king, and he's going to come and lay claim on his people. All right, it's going to be awesome, and we're going to be there, all right? But back to my side note of my side note. He came to be the servant king. He didn't come to destroy. He came to love and to serve and to teach and to heal, not by slaying people, but loving people and showing people who he was. And my thought for tonight is if he's willing to go against the grain for us, maybe we should follow his lead and go against the grain for him. Amen? Best way for us to do that is we need to learn how to follow. That's my premise tonight, is how do we follow? Here in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, this is Jesus talking. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words of him, will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels? But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Now listen, obviously I cannot get through every bit of this passage tonight, but I, I beg you, be, be scholars, be Bible scholars, be, be, be learners of God's word, and I ask you to go and find some commentaries online. I, I, I beg you for your next, everybody's like, well, what should I read for my quiet time? Well, read this for this week. Learn it, digest it, memorize it, meditate on it. But tonight, I want us to walk away with two things, a two-point sermon, all right? I know you, some of y'all are tired right now, amen, hallelujah, right? Too tired to even raise your hands right now, okay? I understand. Two points tonight that should not be optional, but it should be optimal for our walk with Jesus. Many of us want to know how to follow him. Jesus breaks it out pretty clear on how we should follow him. If, if we just break open the text of 923, listen, he says, if you should come after me, like before I even make my first point, all right, I think Jesus is making a point. Before we even deny ourselves, which is the first point we're going to make, we need to make a decision. He says, if you want to follow me, he says, we got to get prepared for this decision. Students, I, I say this because I don't want anyone to fall to the assumption that we can accidentally follow Jesus. We can't accidentally fall, fall in love with Jesus. We can't accidentally fall into grace of Jesus. It actually has to be, come to a decision. I don't want you to get confused on whether we are followers of Jesus or not. I don't want us to think that we're something that we are not. There has to be a moment in your life 
that you have to be able to say, you know what, I'm deciding right now that I am going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. I'm going to give my life to Jesus, and I, I want to proclaim that. Now, don't be mistaken. Just because your mama's a Christian, don't beca- just because your daddy's a Christian, just because you got dunked when you are eight or you got sprinkled when you were three, that does not mean that you are a follower of Jesus. Because that's the reason why he says, if, if anyone. It's because many think that we're following Jesus, but we're not. Let's be honest with that. You want to follow Jesus, then guess what? Follow Jesus. Make that decision tonight. What does he say it takes? First and foremost, it's an imperative statement. In the Greek context, it has an aorist tense. I'll explain it here in a second that we're to deny ourselves. If you want to follow Jesus, you need to learn how to deny yourself. The aorist tense makes it daily. It's not something that you do once. It's something that you continually do. You daily, continually deny yourself. I think a lot of us are good at denying things, right? We're very good at denying those creepers that like try to friend us on Facebook. Like I don't even know who the heck you are, right? You're a 62-year-old man. That I don't even know who you are, right? Some of y'all, you're very good at denying those vultures that are here at Crossover. They're like, girl, 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 girl. Oh, she looked at me. Oh, I'm going to go talk to her, right? You love Jesus? Well, I do too. You want to get married, right? Like, you're like stage five clinger. Let's run, right? We're very good at denying many things, but you want to know what we're horrible at? Denying ourselves. It's an ongoing state of mind that we as Christians have to do. It's a daily thing that we have to do. Listen, this is why I think that many give up on their Christian living. Or they live at a very weak level or surface level in their faith. It's not because we don't know what we need to deny. I think we... I think we all know that we need to deny some of the sins in our life, some of the shames in our life. It doesn't mean that we don't know what we don't need to be watching or certain things that we need to be doing or certain things that we, we need to be touching or, not, or, or certain things or certain ways that we should be drinking or certain things that we should be eating. It's not that we don't know what is certain that we're not supposed to do. It's because we have tried to stop those things before and we just haven't stop them yet. We know exactly the things that we need to be stopping. Listen, the last, I mean, since COVID, your boy has entered dad mode like so much, right? March hit, right? I had, we had our third boy, three boys, three and under, pray for me. I had a full head of hair in February, right? Just kidding. That was a lie. I don't tell all the truth always. Sorry. Lord forgive. But B, um, I've entered into a a new dad bod. I did get the COVID-19, right? (laughs) Right? And C, I planted grass in March, and I'm a lawn guy now. I love a good yard. What in the world is wrong with me? Ask my wife. I'm obsessed with my yard. I, I, listen, I, I installed a sprinkler system. There's some days I don't even use it because I just want to go water the yard with the hose. 
I'm one of those guys. I'm like, when has this happened, right? Trees are dropping acorns. I'm out there raking them. Like, like my kids are walking on like some new, new grass. I'm like, hey, hey, slow down. Don't rip the grass out, right? Like, I'm just such a dad now. What is going on with me? But lately, one of the things that I've been noticing is I started seeing my beautiful lawn, and then I'm starting to see these weeds are starting to pop up. I got some spray out there, and I sprayed them, and it kills some of them. But then I go get my, my knee pads on and my old lady little shovel, and I go out there, and I shovel those weeds, right? And I pull them out, like, make sure it looks all pretty. Some of them daggum things, I mean, they're like this big, and your boy gets over there, and I mean, I grab handfuls, and it takes all of my might, and I rip those roots out, and it's like I pull out a cannonball, right? But like, I hate weeds. Like, I hate them. Like, it just makes my beautiful yard look horrible. And if I want to have healthy grass, I can't have unhealthy weeds in my yard. Students, denying yourself is seeing those areas in your life that look like weeds. Those areas in your life that don't match up with scripture, that don't point people to Jesus, that don't put the, that put the focus on you and don't put the focus back on him, that isn't healthy for your life and your relationship with him, and you need to do all you can to deny them. It says in the Webster's Dictionary, to refuse to do or even to admit the existence of that certain thing in your life anymore. And you need to rip those out of your life so you can have a healthy life with him. Some areas we can do a little spray, right? We just might need a little accountability in our life. And, and I think that can help uproot some of the things in our life. Some of us, we need to do a little digging. Maybe we need to go to a little counseling, Maybe we need to get involved with something to promote, to give us a little more accountability. And I think that's just a little bit of a shovel. But I think some of us in this room, there are some things in our life that we need to fully get a hold of. And we need to rip with all of our might. And we need to toss it as far as we can so we can have a life that is worth living for Jesus. See, students, I don't think that the problem with us denying is with us denying some of our lives. I think the problem with a lot of us is denying all of our lives. Listen here, I don't want us to be swayed and suckered in by feel-good pastors. I don't want you to listen to Joel Olstein on Sunday. And yes, I'm calling out Joel Olstein. Might be getting an email about that later from Joel because I'm so popular, right? <laughs> Let's just be honest. What does it say here? And I want us to be very honest about this. He says, for whoever will save their life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And here's the big verse, verse 26. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in, what? Glory. Jesus doesn't ask for some of our life. Jesus doesn't ask for just a little bit of our life. Jesus didn't die just for some of your life. Jesus came and died for all of your life. He didn't die for some of your sins. He died for all of your sins. If you don't deny all of yourself to Christ, if you haven't lost all of your life to Christ, 
then what does it say here? The tragedy of this verse is simply this. If you don't deny your life for Jesus, Jesus will have to deny you when he comes back. If we don't live a life that is daily seeing in what areas of your life that we need to pluck out for him and we need to carefully maybe spray some things, maybe we need to get some accountability, maybe some things we need to uproot. If we don't daily have that mindset, if we don't daily try to live with him constantly denying ourselves, Lord, I don't want to live for me, I want to live for you, then students, this is the tragedy of the text. Here's where I can kind of contextualize this for us. There are some of us in this room, we have not entered a relationship with Jesus, and we do a life as we want to do. We might live what, we might get an hour of church every other week, maybe. Maybe some of us, we probably wake up each and every day, and we don't think about how can I live for Jesus today. I don't want us to be fooled here, students. There's some of us in here, we think that we're following Jesus, but we're not. And listen, God is a God of grace. Like he wants to have that relationship with you. He wants to grow with you. He wants to give you a life and give it to you more abundantly. Some of us, we need to start that relationship tonight. I think most of us in this room, we know that we have a relationship with Jesus. We have denied a lot of our lives for the sake of Jesus. But we've denied a lot of areas in our life, but we haven't denied all the areas in our life. And if I were to ask you right now, which I have lunches and coffees with thousands of y'all every year, I can ask you, what areas in your life have you not given to Jesus? And you probably know exactly what areas in your life you have not given to Jesus, if you're real with yourself. What has the Holy Spirit been telling you in your life the last six months to rip out of your life? Do you know that? Maybe some of us, it's our social life. Friday nights are just not a good night for us. We don't reflect Jesus well on Friday night. And we know that if we were to get rid of that and we knew if we would uproot that from our life, then it would set a whole different trajectory for our life. We know that we could be the person of God that we needed to be, but we keep on falling and failing on Friday And we just can't glorify him the way that we should be. Maybe for some of us, maybe for most of us, it's our cell phone or or it's our computer. Some of you, you cannot be alone with your computer or your cell phone at night. I have a constant conversation with many guys uh, about pornography. Let's just say pornography. That's a weird word. But it doesn't only affect guys. What I'm learning is that more and more girls are even being affected by porn. And that's something that that temptation keeps on grabbing a hold of you. And you know God is saying, hello, listen, like that's not going to glorify me. Guess what? That's not going to give you power. That's not going to make you feel good. It's actually going to make you feel bad. And a lot of us, we need to rip that out of our life. We need to put our cell phone on the kitchen counter before we go to bed. Go to bed without it. Put your 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 computer on the other room, download covenant eyes and send the emails to your mama, right? Some of y'all are like, yeah, I should do that, right? Maybe some of us in here, it's your friendships. Now listen, I want to be very careful here. 
I'm not saying that you need to get rid of people. What I'm saying is that there are friendships and then there's mission fields. All right? Friendships in the biblical context are meant to sharpen you. They're meant to laugh with you. They're meant to mourn with you. They're meant to pray for you. They're meant to encourage your faith. They're meant to bring you closer to Jesus. That is what a friendship is. You love them, they love you, you encourage each other. That friendship glorifies Jesus. That's a friendship. But then there's a mission field. And those are the people that you pray for. That's the people that you try to encourage. That's the people that you serve with an outlook, with an end goal. That's so you can bring them to Jesus. You don't give the mission field your secrets. You don't give the mission field your problems. You don't try to find encouragement from the mission field because they don't have Jesus. That's your friendships. And if we don't have these friendships, then we need to make those friendships. I don't know where you at, students, but the last thing and I kind of hinted on this last week when singleness, is there are some people right now, you're trapped in a relationship. And you know it. You know that God's been knocking on your heart for the last however many months saying, hello, like, I'm, better, I'm better for you than him, or I'm better for you than her, and you need to end it. And listen, I have this, so much bigger life for you. They're weighing you down. They're not, necessarily be, they're, not, they're not necessarily horrible. They're just horrible for you. Or they are horrible and you know it. Maybe that's something that we need to rip up out of our life. And this is when I think a relationship needs to end is when the words of God don't reflect the actions or the words that you two say. See, the hardest part about uprooting weeds in your life is it always leads a hole in the yard. Nothing like my three-year-old. He's the clumsiest person in the world, and if I ever forget to fill a hole, I'll kick a soccer ball, and Revan's like, oh, I got it, Dad, right? He'll trip and, like, face plant. Like, the dude has, like, all of his teeth, but they're all jagged because he's hit the concrete 12 times, all right? Like, the dude trips over everything. Like, I can breathe on him, and he trips and falls, right? But the holes left in our life aren't meant to be left empty. They're meant to be filled. And here's the last part. It says, deny yourself. But then he says, take up your cross and follow. There's something taking away, and that's denying yourself and denying the things that aren't helpful, that aren't growing, that aren't pleasing to the Lord. But then he says, you need to take up your cross and follow. This is also in the aorist tense, means continually you need to be doing this, denying yourself and taking up your cross every single day. Denying yourself is taking something away. Taking up your cross is putting something in concrete, no matter the consequence, no matter the cost. See, taking up to the cross during this age meant something. It meant if you were taking up the cross, it meant that you were willing to die for the cause. Students, the reason why many of us fizzle out in our faith and the reason why many of us have failed attempts at uprooting something in our life and quitting it forever is because we never fill those holes back with something better. Now, if I could just share a little personal testimony with you. When I was in college in the small town of Shawnee, Oklahoma, Shompton, anybody know where that's at? All right. About four of you, good. 
Um, I, I remember specifically, it was the end of my sophomore year, and I, I was kind of making the shift back towards Jesus and really working on my rhythm with him. And I remember him knocking on my face saying, hey, bro, I want you to start a college ministry. Imagine that. It just took me like 15 years later. All right. I want you to start a college ministry on this campus. They need me. And you know what's even crazier is he told that to other people. I had a friend down the hallway. Him and his girlfriend were phenomenal worship leaders. And he said, you know what? God's been telling me that we need to start something. And he goes, I, I, I have a worship team. I have a worship band. I have a donor that's willing to pitch in a little money to be able to get speakers and do all this. I talked to the deans. We're able to use this certain building if we're able to do this. The only thing that we don't have is a speaker. We don't have a preacher. We need you to preach. And God told me to ask you to do it. And guess what? The biggest regrets of things in college were not over the things that I did do. It was over the things that I didn't do. And your guy right here turned down a call from the Lord. I said no. And of course, I wanted to tell everybody it was because, well, I just didn't didn't think that like I was a good enough speaker or I was intimidated. Yeah, I was intimidated, but that wasn't the real reason. I said no, not because of my fear of all of that. I said no because I wasn't really willing to sell out for Jesus. You know why? Because I started seeing all the other things in my life that it would, that it would affect if I did. Can you track with me? If I started studying the Bible and start preaching the Bible, what would that mean? It would mean that I'd have to start living like Christ in every aspect because I was the Bible study guy. That would mean that I would have to treat people different because I was the guy that was leading this Bible study. That would mean that I would need to break up with my girlfriend because she was dragging me down. And it also would mean I'd have to quit hanging out with certain friends because they were not walking with Jesus. It would cost the life that I had known completely. And you ready for this? It would have killed who Brent Russell really was. And I saw that. Students, many of us don't take up the cross and follow the calls in our life, not because we don't know the cost that it would cost us, but it's because we know it would cost us a lot. We know that even, we know that it would cost us everything. If we took up the cross, it might would take friendships away. Many of you know that you need to walk with better friendships. It might take certain job opportunities away because you know he's going to call you in a different direction. It might take your spouse away. It might take your finances away. Students, in reality, with many Christians, every single year, sadly, what we will see is that if you follow the call of God, it could even take your life away. This is what I've seen when I try to fill the holes in my life and take up the cross and follow Jesus. You ready for this? Is that he will always ask you to fill it with something that only he can provide you the strength or wisdom for to do. He's going to ask you to do something greater than you can imagine. He's going to ask you to fill it with something that if he didn't show up and help you with, you would be in trouble. Like a call to many things, like 
the call to break up with your girlfriend or call to break up with your boyfriend. He's going to call you to rip that out of your life, but then he's going to say, you know what, that once that is gone, let's try to fill it with the, with the girls that are in your life right now, and maybe you need to pour into them. Maybe you need to be vulnerable with them. Maybe you need to grow alongside of them and point them back to Jesus. Maybe you're supposed to walk with your brothers who say that they're Christian, but they're not Christian. They need just a leader in this world for them. And I'm telling you right now, students, if I I could tell you one thing, you could change the face of this campus if you would just show up, rise up, and lead five people. I'm telling you, it would change the trajectory of this campus. We don't need more participants. We need more followers of Jesus. He will always ask you to feel something that only he can provide the strength for. Some of us, we need to be making new friendships. And a big one, this is a big one for college kids. Listen, students, if I could just beg you for one thing. If you could ever feel what it's truly like to have a friend that loves Jesus and that can encourage you, I'm telling you, it will empower you in more ways than you could ever imagine. And I know a lot of y'all are struggling right now with friendships. We got a lot of people in here that need friendships. If you would just go and try to do this, it would change your life. And then lastly, I know that some of us in here, we need to trust the call of ministry. I would say that's probably like the third hardest thing in my life that I've ever had to choose was the call to ministry. And I'm telling you right now, my wife would tell you right now, there are many things I could be doing right now. I know that I could go make a lot more money right now, all right, if I was doing something other than ministry. But the thing is, is I couldn't do anything and be happy with some of us, you're going to be trapped in unhappy lives because you're called into ministry and you're afraid to do it. And I promise you right now, if you're called to ministry, God is going to provide for you and God is going to empower you and you'll never think twice about it. As I close up here, the call to follow is daily denying yourself and daily taking up your cross, but let us not lose the focus on something the reason we follow and the reason why we deny and the reason why we take up the, Christ, the cross is because of who we're following. We're not following a foreign God who sits on his throne and demands. We follow an all-loving, caring Jesus who came and died a horrible death so you can have a life. We don't follow an unjust God. We follow a Savior who gave his everything to take you off of the judgment seat and put you in to an eternal bliss with him to be justified before God. We don't follow someone who can't give you anything. We follow a king who has given us the keys that could give us a life that we could never imagine. So students, our God is not a distant God. He is with us through our mountaintops and he is with us in our valleys and he is loving us through the fires. If you want to feel the power of God like you've never felt before, if you want to feel his majesty, I beg you, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. Amen? Lord, tonight we just beg you to search our hearts, search our life and let us realize there is a life here that could be so powerful. There's a life here that could just glorify you in many facets. And I beg tonight that we just lay some of those things down at your feet tonight that we know that we need to uproot in our life. 
Give us the power to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to quit this tonight. I want to uproot it from my life. But, Lord, I also want you to help me fill it. Help me fill that big hole in my life. And, Lord, let me trust you. Let me walk in you. And, Lord, let us be able to live a Hebrews 11:6 life. That without faith, it is impossible to please you. But in faith, Lord, that means that we will be pleasing you. Let us walk in a world of faith. That if you didn't show up, we would be in trouble. I think a lot of us live a lot of confident lives because we don't have to lean on faith. I beg you to show us in our life where we need to grow in faith. Lord, some of us, we haven't started a relationship with you. And I beg them to come down here and talk to one of our prayer teams and say, you know what, I'm going to start my relationship with Jesus tonight. And let them just give their life to Jesus. Lord, I just beg that during these last couple songs that we come and lay things at your feet, we uproot things from our life, and we change the trajectory of our life to walk in accordance with you. Lord, be with us tonight. Strengthen us for your name. Amen. If you would stand up, we're going to have prayer warriors down here at the front, up in the balcony. We'd love to pray with you. I would ask for us to just give everything to Jesus right now.